This message is provided by Bridgeway Community Church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, good morning, Bridgeway. I'm Pastor Ron, for those I haven't met yet, but it's so good to see you here today. Great to be together. I'm excited to kick off our brand new series. We're also going to be celebrating communion this morning, and I'll give you some instructions on that at the end of the message. But this series, Transform, as Justin said, this is our fall launch. And I got to tell you, it's kind of hard to be thinking about fall on a day that's going to be, I don't know, 88 and maybe the most humid day of our summer, but it's exciting uh, to think about the fall. And I'm the kind of person, I like to hang on to summer as long as I can. I'm not ready for pumpkin spice latte. I'm not ready for sweater weather. I am not even ready for the kids to go back to school tomorrow. Uh, but I am ready, and I'm excited about this series and what it can do for us. This idea of being transformed is actually something that's uh, kind of just the heart and soul of our church. And many of you know that we've been uh, kind of leaning into God for what we've called our 10-year vision. And this vision is actually birthed out of the idea of being transformed. In fact, (laughs) this language goes all the way back to when we were started. The mission we've had as a church for 23 years is to transform spiritually hungry people into fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We believe that God has kind of impressed on us as a church these five core initiatives. If you've been around the church, we've been talking about these for a few years. We've actually made uh, quite a few inroads in the area of discipleship. You heard about Rooted. Pastor Mike has been doing just an awesome job of encouraging people into this pathway of discipleship. We've also been serving every Sunday as an opportunity to serve here in the church, as well as some quarterly events that we've been planning. We've been doing life together with our small groups. We had a family luau as one of our family ministry events this summer. And now this fall, I'm excited to share with you that we're going to have a focus on soul care as well. And I'll tell you a little bit about what I mean by that throughout this series. But like this title, I believe that this series can be a transformative experience in your spiritual life. we got a great vision as a church, an incredible staff, elders and deacons all firing on the same course, and just some exciting things. In fact, one additional thing that uh, I'm glad so many of you are here this morning, we, we mentioned to you at our annual meeting back in May that this fall we would also be engaging on kind of what I've been calling our campus plan. We've got an outdoor pavilion, if you look out those windows, uh, that needs some refurbishing. We've got phase two and about 20,000 square feet of unfinished space here for our church. And as we committed to you at our annual meeting, we plan to to begin working on that. We have um, contracted with an architect, and we'll be working on kind of getting your feedback on what to include in the campus of Bridgeway uh, this fall. So that's coming up in September and October, but I wanted to just kind of keep you up to speed on that. You know, I love things that are active and and kind of like I love doing things and checking things off the box. And and I can get that way when I come into this this fall time. I think back to school for so many people means back to church. And that's why I'm excited to start this series here with you. But I also need reminders. I need the reminder at times that I'm not just sort of a a list of to-dos, right, that you check off. I'm not a, a human doing. I'm a human being. And that's really where this idea of being transformed comes from. The whole idea of of transformation, in my view, is that it happens through certain experiences. That if you're really going to be transformed into the image of Christ, it means that you need to deal at sort of your soul level with things like the risks that you take, the pain that you experience, the tensions of everyday life, and the tribe, the group of people that you do life with. 
It's these four things, your risk, your pain, your tension, and your tribe that will truly determine your growth in Jesus Christ. I was thinking this week that, you know, I don't know, if I came up to you after service, it'd probably freak some of you out if I did this, but if I came, at, came up to you and kind of got in your face, grabbed you by the shoulders, and I said, tell me about your transformation in Jesus Christ, you would, you would maybe never come back to this church if I did that. But I think it could look different, right? What if, what if we were hanging out in the square over a cup of coffee and, and just casually I began to ask you, hey, you know what? This whole idea of, of risk, tell me about a time when you took a risk for Jesus. And maybe that story, you know, went really successful. Maybe you fell flat on your face. Maybe if I asked you, hey, what are maybe the, the times in your life where you've really experienced a deep pain? Or someone you loved went through a deep pain? Or maybe tell me, about, tell me about the tensions. What are you facing Monday morning, 8 a.m.? You know, it's at the office before you are. It's in your home. It's, it's as you walk in the classroom. If I were to ask you, tell me about your tribe. Who are the people that, that encourage you? Uh, maybe who are the people that, that help you grow the most? Who are the people that annoy you? I bet if I asked you those questions, you, you couldn't stop. You would have so many stories to tell me. And those would be the ways with the right skills that you would begin to care for your soul and to transform into the person God wants you to be. Maybe another way to think about it is uh, something I learned a long time ago. I'm in, indebted to uh, one theologian, a guy by the name of Dallas Willard. And Dallas kind of has this really interesting way of, of organizing these thoughts. In fact, I love his quote here. He says, the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. That's what you will take into eternity. And he had a way of thinking about it, uh, this little acronym called VIM. Your vision, your intention, and your means. VIM. Vision, intention, means. And VIM actually works for everything. I'll give you a few examples. If you wanted to work on your health, well, it would start with a vision. i got to turn this thing around. It would, it would take some intention. i got to get up and do this. It would take... The means. I got to put these people, this program, these things in my life. It works with, I don't know, a big project. Say you want to complete a degree or get an advanced degree. It would take a vision. It would take the intention. It would take the means. Say you wanted to travel the world. I've been thinking about this because uh, today is my 29th wedding anniversary to my bride, Sean. And today is 29. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. It is an epic gift to me, an epic accomplishment for her to put up with me for 29 years, but uh, I'm thinking next year's the big 3-0, right? 30th anniversary, and let's say I came to Sean and I said, hey, I know today our 29th, we're, we're going to church, and then later this afternoon we got an elder meeting, that's going to be great too, but, but what if I just kind of like knock your socks off for our 30th, and what if, what if, sweetie, what if I take you to New Zealand, right? And I just start to kind of, she goes, oh, tell me more, right? Like, this sounds pretty good. And I, oh, sweetie, I want to take you to New Zealand. You know, New Zealand is a place where you've got these dazzling fjords. And you can climb up in the mountains to the glaciers. And then at the same time, you could come back down and, and you could be warm on these long, sandy volcano beaches. Uh, you know, The Hobbit was filmed in New Zealand. It's stunning landscape. In fact, I, I would say, Sean, I want to take you to this restaurant in Queenstown. Doesn't that look just so cool, that architecture looking out? She'd be like, oh, I'm in, right? Just That would be vision. And then it would be all talk from husband Ron if I didn't come through on that, right? So we'd have to have some intention. We'd have to say, okay, 
setting the date, 2024, I don't know, maybe 2025, maybe our 31st, because we've got to have the means, right? We've got to craft a budget, we've got to start saving, we've got to maybe cut some things out of our expenses, we maybe got to cut some kids out of our will, I don't know, it's going to take something, <laughs> but no matter what, we're going to do this. And that's the thing about Vim, it works, but let me tell you this morning, more importantly than a vision for a vacation, God has a vision and an intention and a means for the way in which you're transformed into the likeness of his son Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about. In fact, today all I want to do is I want to keep the bar kind of low, and I want to just give you a vision for your spiritual life. I'm also going to give you kind of the means of how to get there. It's a one-point sermon today. Um, the intention, though, is kind of back on you. <laughs> you get to decide as to how you want to apply this vision and this means intentionally to your life. So it's a one-verse kind of Sunday. In fact, if you've got a Bible this morning, I'd love for you to turn to Romans chapter 12. In fact, I think by the time this day is over, you'll have this one memorized. In fact, um, just this one verse gives us enough for what transformation in Christ could look like. In fact, I'll put it on the screen for you here. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Kind of two ideas here. They're opposed to one another. It's conformity and transformation. And I got to tell you, I am, I am crawling in my skin up here this morning because doing this actually breaks every, like, rule in my body. If, if you've been here for any length of time, I love to put up on the screen lots and lots of scripture, long stories that have background and interesting characters, and not today. In fact, this isn't even just one verse. This is one sentence in a verse. I'm not giving you the verse before it. I'm not giving you the sentence in verse after it, but I am 100% confident that this sentence, this verse, is enough to transform your spiritual life. In fact, this verse is so unique, and, and it does so much for us. In fact, it comes kind of from a place where the author here is really trying to get the church to focus in. In fact, it's written by a guy named Paul. Uh, he's kind of the dominant leader next to Jesus in the New Testament. He starts all these little communities of faith, these churches, and then he writes them letters. He didn't have, you know, text. He didn't have email. And so he would write them these letters. And in his letters, he would get a little bit antagonistic. He would get a little bit direct with them and say, this is where maybe you're missing the mark. And here's the things I want to encourage you. And in this one sentence, he does both. He kind of gives us the things that he's concerned about. He looks at this church and, and frankly, this idea of being conformed to the world is happening in the church that he's writing. He's in essence saying that the church, you look no different from every other business in your town. In fact, in the church, they were really more concerned about their image management. They were concerned about kind of like including all people and, and kind of doing kind of this thing of, well, let's just have a lot of rules. You know, they would write new policies in the church. How many of you love it when your, your employer gives you a new company policy, Right? You know, you get that email and you're like, oh, great, here's another policy I can ignore, right? Like, that's what they were doing in the church. And way more than that, there was kind of this concern about how the people were living. They were living very lives. 
Uh, they were taking to task other people in the church, suing them over trivial matters. Um, they were practicing sexual immorality by the way of going to church on Sunday. And then they would go to the pagan temple and engage in prostitution during the week. Uh, they were gluttons. They were getting drunk on communion wine. That's not going to happen here today. But it was happening in that church. It was happening all the time. And this pastor looks at them and he says, you're off mark. You're focused on the wrong thing. And he gives them these two ideas, and every pancake, no matter how thin you make it, always has two sides to it. And that's what this verse gives. It gives kind of a, a negative side and a positive side to community and life in Christ. It gives kind of the, the things to watch out for as well as the things to be encouraged in. So let's do this. Let's actually just look at sort of the negative and the positive of what Paul has to say to this church. And let's start where he does. Let's start with the negative. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Much easier said than done. Kind of the, the big word for the day is the word syncretism. You see this um, in, in a lot of writing, a lot of philosophical writing today about kind of our culture and our world. There's this syncing up with the world standards. You could call it kind of this amalgamation of ideas. Get all these ideas, as many of them as you can find, and just kind of smash them together. It reminds me of when uh, I was a kid and I was in Cub Scouts, and, and Cub Scouts were great. We would go on these winter camping trips. And I, I always would sign up for these because I thought, oh, how cool is this? We're going to go camp in the dead of winter. And, and then you get out there, and it's like sub-zero and, and a foot of snow on the ground. And oh, by the way, the entry into these winter campouts was always a can of soup. You ever do anything like this? They would take my can of soup, my pure can of chicken noodle soup, and they would take Billy's can of soup, and Billy would bring like some, something way back in the cupboard, right, like a cream of celery soup, and, and they would take Jim's soup, and his would be like tomato soup, and they didn't tell you this, but they would take your can of soup, they would open it up, and they would put it in a big giant pot with everybody else's soup, and then they would serve that to you for, for lunch, <laughs> and for dinner, and then again the next day for lunch. And it's like, this is gross. Why am I doing, like, why am I doing this? And this is so much of the way in which we sync up with society. The world has all these different viewpoints and ideas, and this is the challenge of every Christian. How do I, how do I get back to my true can of soup? How, how do I get back to the real truth of God in a world that values conformity, I tell you what happens is truth becomes very muted and truth becomes very hard to discern. And this is the problem facing not just the church of old, but the church now today. In fact, every Christian is faced with forces that pull them into the pathway of conformity. And I want to actually show you what I believe are some of the systems of conformity. To different degrees, I'm not picking a fight with anyone this morning. I just want to really share with you a lot of the headlines and a lot of the things that I've seen over the course of the summer that just reminds me again and again the challenge to not conform to the world. Now, conformity takes place in all these different spheres. In fact, I'll name a few of these, and you could say, well, those are, there's minor conformity. Like take education, for instance. Education maybe is the one choice you have where you can... You've got to choose your level of conformity. And whether it's grade school 
or high school or college, you've got choices, right? You can choose whether, whether you want to submit to the conformity of, you know, public schools. I'm a public school product. All my kids went to public schools. But there's conformity to that system, as well as to a charter school or to a private school or even to the homeschooling, maybe by far the most freedom in what you do. But don't fool yourself. There's a level of conformity. Another one to me that just gets louder and louder in our world is the system of politics. And by that I mean we live in kind of a country that has the ultimate system of conformity, right? I mean, it's a two-party system. Sure, there's minor players, but there's really a two-party political system. And my issue is not with the political platforms. In fact, I'm a, you know, full-hearted American. You cut me open. I bleed red, white, and blue. I got three kids that are serving our country. One of them's getting deployed this fall. Like, my heart is for our country. And I don't have any issues with politics, but I think it would be naive to not see the system of, of political polarization. And to have to be the Christian that says, you know, I, I need to see into this and, and have a level of discernment. Because you look at politics today and it's engage and enrage. That's kind of the way the system works. In fact, if you're a part of one of the parties, you know you're actually kind of taught and groomed to hate the other political party and what they stand for. And if you don't, well, then you, you'll get canceled, right? That's kind of the way it works. And you have to figure out how to navigate that, as well as kind of the issue today of technology. I, I've been pretty vocal up here about my concerns about technology and the responsible use of artificial intelligence, but make, make no mistake about it that you are conforming every time you use, you know, your phone or every time you search for something. I have, have you noticed how how dangerous these devices are. I mean, I find it sneaky how well it knows my mind, right? Um, in fact, I said to my wife, I said, you know, we need to get a new, a new gas grill. Like, our grill was just falling apart. And, and before the words Blackstone Grill came out of my mouth, I felt like every time I went on my phone, I was seeing, like, ads for the latest griddle, you know, and how I can make this recipe and this recipe. It's like, it's like it was reading my mind, and every time you ask it something, it learns a little bit more about you, right? When you utter the words, hey Siri, or okay Google, it becomes a form of haptics and, and artificially becoming intelligent. And I tell you, the concern for me as your pastor is what they call the point of singularity, where machines will actually become smarter than humans, and, and what that will leave for us in this, in this view of how do we discern, how do we know wisdom and truth, and the Spirit of God. In fact, um, this summer, I'm, I'm going to give you a lot of headlines this morning, but this summer, kind of interesting and concerning to me was the Church of Germany actually had the very first church service that was entirely generated by AI. All the worship music was selected by AI. It was played by AI. The sermon was written by a bot, delivered by a bot, and people turned out in droves. I kind of think some of them were sort of, you know, they were, you know, they were just there to see the show. But how does this work into the future where we have more and more of this? I'm certainly not saying, hey, we need to turn our back, move away from technology, but we need to be the ones that kind of discern where is conformity to the system and where is leadership in the Christian faith. You have it in entertainment as well. I, I feel like 
whether it's movies or the shows I watch, Hollywood is kind of bought into the go woke or go broke mindset. It doesn't take very long in your favorite show to, to kind of see where it has to appeal to all these different formats. And it becomes challenging. Again, how do I operate in this system? When are movies just going to come back to, to entertainment, not indoctrination? Last one, and it saddens me to add this one to the list, but, but I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't share the concerns I have, even about the church in our day, not in Paul's day, but the church in our day becoming a system of conformity. In fact, I see this in so many ways, and it just makes me very concerned. Um, in fact, a few more headlines that I have to share. In fact, this latest one was from just this past week, and it has to do with Christian music. I don't know if you realized, but the number one song in Christian music charts is a song called Good Day by the artist Flamey Grant. And I got to tell you, I did probably more research into this song and this artist than I probably had time for this week. And I want to share with you, not my words, but the words I was reading uh, from this artist. First of all, Flamey Grant identifies as a queer, non-binary, drag queen worship leader. Queer, non-binary, drag queen worship leader. It was the worship leader that got me the most interested in reading more. And of course, the artist's real name is Matthew because it's a drag queen. And the name Flamey Grant is, of course, a tongue-in-cheek reference to Christian recording artist Amy Grant. And as I read more into the purpose of Flamey Grant's music, I quote that he indicated the purpose of his worship music is to encourage people to leave the church and to deconstruct the harmful events of religion. Now, I don't have enough time to get into all of my concerns. There's layers and layers here to unpack. But anytime someone says it's their job as a worship leader at the top of the Christian music charts to deconstruct faith and encourage people to leave, I got to say that looks a lot more like conformity than being transformed. And as I said, there are layers and layers before you get upset with me and come up to me after the service, I'd like you just to think about that. I mean, someone that encourages someone to leave the church, deconstruct their faith, is not transforming at all. They're conforming. Another headline, and this was actually just uh, back about a month ago in July, again, the church, the United Church of Christ, uh, voted at their general assembly, and the vote was very lopsided. It was 611 in favor to 24 opposed, 611 pastors voted in favor of supporting abortion, including to the point of using church dollars to support abortion. And again, I want to get up here this morning and be really clear as your pastor that there is a requirement on me to uphold the reverence of worship, to uphold the sanctity of human life. And when I see a clear line of conformity to the world standard, we have to say something. And I know we're called to grace and truth. Uh, I am called to be a graceful and a loving person. I'm not your judge. I'm not your jury. I'm going to be held to a very high standard as someone called to live this and doubly someone called to teach this. 
but to share a love for all people and to not share. The most unloving thing to do would be to not share that there's the truth of God that we have to live by as well. And it has to do with this life and this worship of the one true God. There's conformity. There's syncretism. We're called as Christians to be different. So let's flip the pancake. Let's look at the good news. Let's look at the positive side of this message from Paul. He doesn't just say don't conform. He doesn't leave you with nothing to do. He says instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this is the incredible potential for a complete change. Be transformed. Transform, this word in the Greek language is a word called metamorphi. It's uh, where we get the word metamorphosis. Meta is kind of a you know, pretty common word today, the metaverse, right? And this, this idea of a grand change. And it happens through not just a grand, but a complete change. You might think of a, of a moth that becomes a butterfly. That's a metamorphosis. But I actually want to show you a, another creature that makes an incredible transformation in their life. This is the sunflower starfish. And as I saw this thing, I got thinking about, first of all, how cool starfish are. I mean, just they're, they're fascinating to look at and to imagine at the bottom of the sea. And I don't know, we're, we're above sea level people, so we got to go to like Florida to see one of these. And every time I'm on, va- on vacation, we look, we comb the beach for starfish. And it's really hard to find a completely intact starfish. Would you agree? Like you find an arm and you feel like, oh, that must have been a bad day for the starfish, right? But every once in a while, in fact, one time I found a completely intact starfish. And uh, it didn't make the greatest hat, but it was really cool to see. But let me tell you, don't do that with the sunflower starfish. Let me tell you the transformation that the sunflower starfish goes through. It's, it starts off as a little egg, and it floats to the surface if it survives, if it doesn't get eaten on the way to the surface. Once it makes it to the surface, it goes kind of on an eating binge. It eats all the plankton that it can find, just gobbling up plankton, and again, trying to dodge waves and and other fish that want to eat it, it will do that if it survives for a total of 10 weeks. At 10 weeks, it will have consumed so much plankton that the surface tension of the water cannot hold it. And so it begins to sink to the bottom of the ocean floor. And then it just goes savage. It starts eating everything in its sight. It starts devouring snails and crabs, and unsuspecting fish, and get this, it will actually become four feet in diameter, and it will weigh up to 15 pounds. As I said, if you find one, do not put that on your head, right? That would not be at all good for you. But I got thinking about this transformation and how it occurs for the starfish. It happens because the starfish goes on this large ingesting of what makes it grow, It kind of finds the environment for growth, and it does not stop. It becomes the largest, the most transformed creature that it can possibly be because of rapid consumption, allowing it to have massive growth. And I just got thinking, Bridgeway, I got thinking all this week, you know, what if we look like this? What if our lives were were so focused on saying, I want to consume whatever is good that God gives? What if you became so hungry for God? that you experienced a transformation in your life. You became so hungry for God's word, and I'm not talking just about, hey, I read the word of the day this morning, and that took me, you know, 2.2 seconds to read through. But you actually, you actually spent time in God's word, and, 
and you consumed it, and you came back to it throughout the day. And you found that the more that you started thinking about this scripture, this verse, the more it shaped your conversations. And you, you started sharing this scripture with others, and, and it led to conversations about, hey, how, how's life going? How, how's your pain tolerance these days? And you find that you're actually interested, not just in God's word, but in other people and their souls. And you start just thinking of people and then praying for them and lifting them up to God. And then, and then it kind of turns into this, hey, what can I do for that person? How could I serve that person? I, I loved Justin's message last week about sacrificial just giving and coming alongside of people, serving them sacrificially. What if you began to, to do that for others? And it just led you down this path. And it's kind of this line in the sand of saying, you know what, from this point forward, I'm not going to conform. I want to be transformed. And so this morning, it's really just one point, one challenge. If I had one word for you this morning, it'd be very simply, to be transformed by Jesus. I got to tell you, conformity to the world, that's really easy. If you don't know how to conform to the world, all you got to do is just watch where the power systems are going and jump in the stream. It'll take you the rest of the way. But to be transformed, that's actually harder because it's not going to happen on your own. It only happens through the work of Jesus, of saying time after time and day after day, I'm submitted and committed to you. And you just give your life on a daily basis over to him. You give your life over to this perfect Jesus who comes into the world loving and willing to forgive you of all your sin. And that leads us into this time, a beautiful time of communion. And Eli and the team are going to come and join us on stage. And they're going to just give us some space and some time to reflect. You've heard a lot this morning. And, and now it's, it's for you to make that decision in your life and the ways in which you're going to commit to be transformed by Jesus today. As you have this time and as you're praying, I'm going to just encourage you to think of these words. And then when you're ready, uh, you can come up and celebrate communion. If you've never had communion with us here at Bridgeway, there are tables with elements in the front of the room and in the back of the room. And as you come to the tables, uh, you can take the prepackaged elements and bring them back to your seat. They contain the bread, which is the uh, symbol of the body of Christ, as well as the juice, which represents his blood poured out for the forgiveness of all of your sins. And you can take them at your seats, and then when you're ready, you can stand and worship with us. But I want to pray for us now, so if you would bow your head and pray with me, please. God, I just want to begin by saying thank you. I want to thank you for the incredible opportunity of transformation that's available to every single person. And God, I just want to pray just as one voice and as one church and give others just an opportunity to sync their prayers up, not with the world, but with you, God, and with the standard, which is the life and the teachings and the way of Jesus. And so, God, I pray that in our hearts we, we would do that. We would have the intention to live like him, to commit now, to follow him. Maybe for some this morning, it's, it's not a first-time commitment, but it's a recommitment a recommitment to being transformed and to following after Jesus with all their heart and all their soul and all their strength. Jesus, we love you and we thank you for this time. We thank you for going to the cross and being the perfect sacrifice for all of our sins. It's your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. Check out our app or website at bridgewaycommunity.org for more messages or to take the sermon one step deeper by downloading the Sermon Discussion Guide.